Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A funny taste in music with Andrew Bird. Hello, welcome to A Funny Taste in Music. Uh, this one is Rob Bryden, obviously. You haven't just clicked on this by accident. You've seen who's on. You've come here specifically. Um, I supported him on tour. At the end of a tour, he very nicely, you know, said, if you ever need anything, give me a shout. Um, and you might be thinking, so what, what have you done? You've exploited that good gesture, have you? You thought, you've, you've seen we're in national lockdown. He's got nowhere to hide. He's at home. He hasn't got much to do, so you've uh, you've cornered him, basically. He's probably trying to spend some well-earned time with his family, but no, you've made him do a podcast. That's exactly what I've done. Um, he um, is a, he was great fun on tour. It was such a good laugh. There was me, him, and his tour manager, Jen, and she's from South Wales as well. Really funny. And Rob is, if, if you like him on, like, Would I Like You and stuff, and Gavin and Stacey, and you wonder, I wonder what he's really like is he always funny yes he is he's everything and more you'd hope he would be i remember one one gig the next day jen uh the tour manager was going uh home for mother's day and he uh he, he likes a bit of you know self-importance and arrogance fake you know put on self-importance and arrogance and rob said to jen so, so what are you doing? She said, oh, my family's going to be there, uncles and aunties, everyone. And Rob said, oh, you know what's going to happen. They'll all be asking about me. It'll all be, what's he really like? Is he as great as he is on telly? Nightmare. Oh, he's well funny. Um, so, and this was great fun talking to him. Uh, I knew how much he loved music, so I knew he'd love a chat about music. And his tour was interrupted. He'll be back on tour soon. It's called Rob Bryden and his fabulous band. And it'll be him and a full band playing songs and talking, telling stories, basically. He's a great storyteller, Rob. So it'll be a great show. So if you see that's near you, I would definitely go and get a ticket for that. It's great. That yawn was a dog. was a dog yawning, if you heard that right at the end. I nearly got to the end of this without a dog making a noise. Right at the death. Oh, anyway, uh, enjoy these adverts and then it's the brilliant Rob Bryden. A funny taste in music. The interview next. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I like the one ear ear monitor out look. It, yeah. it looked like Springsteen where he's just <laughs> You know that point where you don't know what he's done? Yeah. Something's oh, gone on. He's had well, to take one funny. out. Yeah, um, well, that's it, very funny. It's a good yeah. look. I like it. Well it, it. means I, I can hear myself a bit now, but I I'm getting you in both ears, which is how I like you. Yeah. yeah. Um you want you want me in uh you don't want me in mono. You never want me in mono. No, no. Although some people say they prefer the mono masters of your albums, I, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> to separate it up. Um, I have got the perfect way to start this podcast. Mm-hmm. You like this? It's an mm-hmm. anecdote that involves you doing charity work, <laughs> being what? generous and thoughtful, yeah. and it involves music all in one. Wow. I know oh. what a start, and this I can't think. I can't think what this could be because well, I, I don't think those ingredients have ever combined together. Oh, they, in my it life, was a, it was a heady mix. They all come together, and it was what I told you. If if at any point someone says to me, "Oh, you supported Rob Brydon," remember I told you this will be my go-to. What's Rob? Yeah. Like, what's Rob Brydon like? Story. This is what I'll pull out, and it was. I think we were doing Scarborough. It was. Early December, cold, dark, and I remember you telling us that you were doing a charity. You were making a big thing about the fact you were doing a charity <laughs> gig. I think you could have mentioned it a number of times, <laughs> but it was no, it was an interesting one. That's what it was because it was for homeless to raise awareness for homeless, and people were camping out, mm-hmm. and you were sort of hosting, and Liam Gallagher was headlining, mm-hmm. and all I said, just in passing, just casually, just mentioned, oh, "I love Oasis." That's the band I love, love Liam Gallagher. That was it. Nothing was mentioned again. Weeks later, the letterbox rattles. There's a letter in the post. I open it up. I didn't reckon it was handwritten, so that I thought that can't be a bill. So I was relaxed a bit. And uh, it was a letter from you. You got his set list. I've got it here. I went and dug it out. Got it here. You went and picked up his set list yeah. and posted it to me. This is the thoughtful bit. This is the generous bit. Of it, and I'll just read out the last bit. You thought, I thought you might like this. I would have got him to sign it for you, but he's a moody chap, and he was gone in a flash. Merry Christmas, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember thinking, oh. not, not uh, uh, you know, because you didn't express 
you know, any massive, massive love of Oasis to me. You just sort of, they might not be your thing, but you. what I liked was you thought he would appreciate that. That showed to me a love of, a love, a deep love of music. Aww. And I noticed on that tour as well, quite often you were, you'd be watching music videos on YouTube and performances yeah. on your phone. I yeah. thought I'd do that. You don't often see other people do that. Just watching. Oh, live I do. Performances. I, I do loads of that because, um, and I like Oasis, but the, but they're not my, they're not my thing. You know, I don't I don't have that passion for them like you do. But I recognised your passion for them might be how I feel about I don't know Bruce Springsteen or or someone like that. So I knew that something like a set list, you know, would 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 mean a lot to you and. Uh, and it was easy to do. It was lying there, and I thought oh, he'd like that. Yeah, I know. Of course, Liam had gone from the stage by then, and it was a braver man than me that would uh, approach him. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, when we were touring, yes, I, I I often do that. You you know, you have so much time when you're on tour, so much dead time, and and there are some people who are industrious enough to be writing and yeah. creating. In other words, you know. Um, I'm not necessarily one of them. I'll have spurts where I can be like that, but most of the time I'm consuming. Although I think when you do that, you're all you're learning all the time. You know, you're watching, and it would be either music or comedy. Those would be the things I'd be watching. So if it was comedy, it would be um, mostly American stuff, mostly um, people, and and people sort of from another era like well Don Rickles very much he's dead you can't be more from another era than being dead um, people like that and, and those old shows and Jack Benny and people like that but then you know then I love Martin Short and I, I would look up his stuff so and I do think when you're watching that stuff you're sort of learning but then music wise yeah I would love to find stuff particularly Bruce stuff you know, oh, there's so much of him now you can find on the internet. And yeah, that's how I would uh, spend my time before a show. It also can get you nice and um, worked up, you know, yeah. and energized. Because when you've been on tour for a while, some of that adrenaline can go and you've got to sort of manufacture it almost. And uh, if it's, you know, a Thursday in Scarborough, I mean, it's the most, don't get me wrong, Scarborough is, 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 is a lovely place, you know, bracing, I would say. Yeah. And wonderful fish and chips and stuff. And, of course, Alan Akebourne. However, if it's tour date number 89, yeah. um, you can need something to, you know, jumpstart you. Yeah. And a bit of, bit, of Brin, bit of Springsteen. I mean, one of yeah. his, his nine-hour gigs there's so many standout moments in one of his gigs but um well I'll tell you one of the things that really that i did used to listen to a lot and this um you shouldn't have to you, you know make make excuses for this I'm, I'm a massive neil diamond fan i think it's always damning with faint praise when when you say um uh, that horrible phrase underrated or doesn't get the credit he deserves because i think amongst people who know what they're talking about of course he does yeah. but Nonetheless, I think there is another school of thought that perhaps doesn't quite appreciate uh, the talent of the guy and the songs and everything. And there was a, he did a live album not that long ago, about 10 years ago in New York. And it opens with a, 
like, like a sort of an overture. It's it's really good. It's it's his band are warming up, so mm -hmm. it's like an orchestra warming up, and then he just sneaks into it a little bit of song sung blue, and so as they're doing it, you just you just make out. Do, do, do. Just three notes, you know, and you go, oh, and then the band starts playing this song he had from years ago called Holly Holy. Very simple song. It's three chords. Maybe it goes to four eventually. You can play it, play it on the guitar so easily. And it gets going. And this is his intro. He's coming on and you can hear the crowd and the backing singers are going. Anyway, the bit I'm getting to is there's a key change yeah. and it's oh, it's so theatrical and it's whoa, it goes. And I have played that in my dressing room many times to, to make me feel it's a show. People have come. It's this is a this is a big thing. Oh, and I know it's another night for you, i.e. Yeah. me, and you've dealt with whatever nonsense you've dealt with all that day, and you may have just been on the phone, you know, calming down an angry child or something, you know. <laughs> but 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 you're about, but you've got to get into your head that it's the show. That, and, and, that moment between uh, a musician and the audience where it all, you know, you forget well, those gigs where it's not just their, you know, you could have been just listening to their CD. Where you see the audience, <laughs> I love that. Love those moments. Yeah. I mean, when, during your show as well, you, I mean, you'd say, wore your music taste on your sleeve. You literally wore it all over you in a jumpsuit. You oh yeah. Come on. <laughs> at the end, we can say it now. We yes, can say we it now. Can. The tour, the tour's yeah. done. Yeah. But um, it because it was the big reveal at the end. You just just drip feed in during the show. That oh, I'd love to have, love to have been like Elvis and do Burning Love. Oh, I'd love to. Just, just casually, and then at the end, the big encore come back out in the jumpsuit, full suit. Oh, ah, lovely. So, I mean, you just drip fed your obsession with Elvis during yeah. the show, yeah. and then what a moment at the end, burning love. I quite, as well. I quite liked. Song. I quite liked doing that. I quite liked the theatricality of it, of just seeding it. Some nights I'd forget to. <laughs> Until nearly I, the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you remember that? And I'd come off and go, oh, God, I haven't mentioned Elvis. But, and then and then it was the encore. So it was as if I'd finished the show, you see. Thanks very much for coming. And I'd go off and then the music would start. The music he used to use, which is Also Sprach Zarathustra, or the theme from 2001, of course. And and that's how he used to start his gigs. So if I hadn't seeded it enough, people think, oh, what's going on? Well, the show obviously hasn't finished. The house lights haven't come up. And then I'd come out. But it worked best when I'd remembered to say, oh, I grew up loving Elvis. And what I would say was, I used to dream of playing in a place like this. You know, and we, on the tour, we, we, we did Australia as well. So I, I got to say this on the, at the Sydney Opera House, you know, and um, I used to dream of coming here. I said, I would have dreamed coming out like Elvis. I said, of course, well, I've made it to the venue, but rather than being like Elvis, and I used to reference a bit of the act, which is when I talked about how as you get older, you don't pee with quite the same ferociousness you oh, once yes. did. So I would say, but rather than saying, I'm just telling you about my diminished pee and they'd laugh at that you know but so then if i had drip fed this all the way through the impact of coming out as elvis and it was a good suit you know it wasn't a it, it wasn't a novelty well yeah it wasn't a fancy dress shop yeah. suit 
it was one that I got made in America and, um, you know, it, it fit like a glove. It was striking, yeah. Andrew. That's a good word for it. Yes. yes. As you come out, you could, because I was in, I would stay and watch. I could, you know, you could see the darkness as on stage. I could see the audience and the lights on you. In the Elvis suit. Sometimes I wish I wish you could see it from where I'm sat because you'd uh, get the full appreciation of it. And uh, many a nights you got the uh, you got standing ovations as you were throwing the neckerchiefs out, and you were getting standing over because it was very it's uplifting song. Is it's very uplifting. well, yeah. Well, well, when I first did that gag, it, it, it's interesting. The um, the idea essentially came from being an Elvis fan, and and you, I think you've got to make shows as personal as you can so that they resonate as genuine and sincere. And I had done this, I had this idea at a charity, charity again, <laughs> at a charity gig. When will St you stop? <laughs> Just stop giving back. Oh, it's, I give so much, don't I? I'm a giver. <laughs> and, um, and I'd done this gig. And now for that one, I did rent just any old bog standard Elvis suit that, you know, when they do them, they don't really look like Elvis suits. They look like a something like Flash Gordon would have worn. It's, it's a strange mm. approximation. Anyway, I put it on and I had this idea which worked because normally in my act, I'll have, I will make, have a relationship with people in the audience in the front row. And I'll often, if I can find someone that I have an antagonistic relationship with, yeah. it works quite well. And if it's a woman, it works really well, that, that I get annoyed with her for some reason. I, I feel that she's undermining me, you know? Yeah. And that works nicely, and you can keep going back to her and as if she's ruining my evening, right? So I had this thing where, at this gig, I did a bit of that. And then, I can't remember if I was already wearing this suit or not. I come on in the suit. And with these scarves, and I would have lots of scarves around my neck because Elvis used to hand out scarves. A, bit, a lot of people, I'm sure, don't know that, but um, that's what he used to do in his gigs. So I came out with a lot of scarves, and I was singing The Wonder of You, which with the fullness of time I realised wasn't didn't have a quick enough tempo for, for the energy of the end of a show. But I, I my aim then was to get people singing along with it. Uh, and what I the joke was, basically that I would give a scarf to this person that had annoyed me. And then I would give her another scarf and then another scarf and then another scarf. And I would go from friendliness to briskness to outright anger until at the end I've given her about 20 or 30 scarves. She's covered in scarves. You're screwing them up and throwing them violently. That's right, yes, yeah. yes. Now, so I did that and... Um, and that worked really well. So then when it came to the tour, I thought, oh, I'll do that thing. That's a good way to end the show. But what I found, number one, the wonder of you is is not high energy enough, whereas burning love is... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Um, and also, some nights, I hadn't established somebody, you know, that that it would work with because that you know you can't just throw them all at somebody it's a little bit funny but the reason it was very funny was because people knew oh that's the person that's really been annoying him all night yeah and it's quite hard to you you can kind of nudge that situation but you can't entirely manufacture it and um so there would be nights and I remember thinking, oh, God, I haven't got anybody. I don't have anybody. So in the end, 
And I think by the time you came on as my support, it had changed to it was Burning Love. And, and then it became a more celebratory thing. And what I would do instead is hand out scarves to different people and name check them because they were people that I had spoken to during yeah. the show. Yeah. And audiences like that because... I mean, one of the easiest ways to impress an audience is to remember things, you know, because they're not, <laughs> they've not been concentrating like you have. So if you can remember three audience members' names, they think they've witnessed the flying Zambezi, you know, yeah, this, this incredible, it's like, my God, how do you do that? Well, because I knew I had to. And so <laughs> I've been, uh, and, and in the interval, I might've gone off and even written them down just so I remember them, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so that's how that thing, and it became a. I, it was a great part of the show. I really, um, I really liked it. And uh, I would say, not not to you know, I, I mean this, I mean this honestly. And you had to, you had to go and undermine it. You sang it very well. <laughs> you sang it very well. But then, what I loved is, even though you sang it very well, undermined it by throwing scarves at a lady, uh, <laughs> which you have to do. You can't be too sincere in comedy. Uh -huh. You can't go. Yeah. And, ruin the show by being too good a singer at the end but you did sing mm. it very well but i love the really subtle thing you do to then undermine the whole thing and make you the you know the fool again just subtly just picking the 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 jumpsuit out your ass a bit like it was oh yeah that's right every yeah. night that made me laugh out loud well yeah because at the really end well, then the yeah raucous yeah. cheer and then you'd stand there with your arms out they just start going oh, picking out your ass yeah well that probably came from reality you know that i <laughs> that i would get to the end and this suit as i say it was measured for me but in the course of a tour you you probably snack a bit more than you normally would so it would become a bit tight and anyway as you as you'd raise your arms in the air because yeah. this this had been made on my measurements that i sent them it wasn't made in any fitting with them in the room you know so you'd raise your arms up and of course it would go up the crack of your bum and and then you realize that's quite a nice thing if you then reach down trying to pull it out of the the crack of your bottom, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it was a nice little little detail. But it's yeah. interesting you talk about you know not singing it too well. It, that's a very interesting point because you know you're there to be funny, and um, you don't want to you know. I mean, I, I I do sing a bit. My my new tour is um, is a tour with a band, and and there are songs in there that I'm very much singing as well as I can yeah. but you've got to then have a balance there's got to be humorous stuff in there as well otherwise I think it can be it can seem a little indulgent um yeah as a as as comedians you're not supposed to be that good at things but uh your, yeah. your new show so because that tour oh you oh you did a bit of everything that tour you start off it'd be like comparing in a comedy club yeah. chatting to everyone being just being funny like you want to see a comedian just being funny you want to see their material but if you prove you're being funny they trust all your material more then you seamlessly went into material and then you'd go i think it was then you'd go into um the um uh, i'm a celebrity get me out of here uh, yeah. they had real proper celebrities which was a device to do impressions that's do, right yeah so you've got then you got impressions <laughs> and then you'd uh, and then you go in uh with the guitar playing some yeah. songs with a kind yeah. of kind of not a Q&A but people could ask you questions and yeah. then you tell stories play a few songs is this new show uh -huh. I remember watching that thinking oh you could 
that I could watch that bit all night as oh, well. Good. On its oh, that's own. great. Yeah, that's is lovely that, to was hear. Is that where you got the idea? Yeah, well, it, it was a few things. It was the fact that I've I've always sung. You know, I did musicals at school and then I've sung on shows like Gavin and Stacey and radio shows like I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. And within my stand-up act, there's always been a bit of singing at the end. So I'd always done that. But I was, and then once you get a bit of a name, you know, you you get the chance, you you get offers to make albums and things, and and it's no great, it's no creative judgment. It's just a financial thing, you know. Somebody thinks, right, well, he could he could sell X amount, you know. Um, and I've always said no to that because I've um, I, I've some said you want to make an album. I said yes, but I don't want to release an album. Um, I, <laughs> Those are two I, very different things. Yeah, I'd love to make an album, you know, to spend the time with the band in the studio and all that stuff. But I don't want to be on Lorraine talking about. I mean, I want to be on Lorraine. She's she's adorable, but but I don't want to be on there saying now. Our next guest, you know him mostly as Uncle Bryn, but he's also, you know, uh, and you have to kind of justify it. So now you are. Maybe I will release from one day, but. Um, uh, so, so the I so I'd wanted to do musical stuff, and yes, certainly in the show that you were with me on, the last half an hour probably was music, and I loved it, and I was really feeling putting my toes in the water, and I was seeing how much the audience liked it, and I would see that you know I could sit there with the guitar, and be pretty relaxed, and it held their attention, and they liked it, you know. Because it takes a bit of, when you're not, I'm not a proper guitarist, you know, I came to it quite late and I know the bare minimum to do what I do on, on stage with it. So that's where that came from. And it also came from wanting to do music. You know, I'd love to do a musical, but with young children, although they're getting older by the minute, but that's a big ask because it takes you out of the house for six nights a week and you are knackered on the Sunday. And I'm sorry to anybody listening who says being on the stage is not a proper job. That's not, you don't get tired. Well, you do. There, there, there are lots of different ways of getting tired in life. And, um, you know, it, and it, it, take, it asks a lot of your wife or your partner, you know, to say, right, I'm off. So what I did instead was I, I, I did a, well, what happened was there's a guy called Joe Stilgo, who's a hugely talented musician, composer, comedian, very, very funny guy. I'd known him for a long time. And I would sometimes pop up in shows of his and we'd do a funny little bit together. And one night I was doing it and a producer who I already knew actually, uh, Ed Snape was in the crowd and he said, you ought to do a, and he just produced something that Barry Humphreys, who I adore, had done on stage. And he said, you ought to put a kind of cabaret thing together. And cabaret, I think to some people is a dirty word. It's not to me, I think it's, when it's done well, it's superb. I mean, I, uh, it's interesting. People always cite Sammy Davis Jr. as the king of that, and I, I agree. But even, I remember when I was, <laughs> I was filming one of my commercials on, on a large boat, and um, yes. there was, uh, they had a, they have different rooms on, on those ships. There's one big one where they, where they have a company and, and maybe a comedian or a play, and, and what, but they also have a smaller, intimate sort of setting, what you might call a supper club or something. I think this had little tables for drinks. It's very, it's very lovely. 
and Madeline Bell performed. Now, Madeline Bell uh, might not be known to a certain age group, but she, I think she's in her 70s now. Uh, I'm not going to say perhaps more. <laughs> and she was she was on all sorts of records in the, I think, the late 60s, the 70s. People might know most from uh, Blue Mink, who had that song Melting Pot. You know, all we need is a great big melting pot, that one. Oh, yeah. Anyway, she was performing and yeah. it was her with a pianist. And my God, what a show. And it was just her. And, you know, listen, you're on a ship, so... It's, it's not as if people are seeking you out. You are the entertainment. And so yeah. you've got to entertain that audience. They're tough gigs. Oh, absolutely. For comedians, they're tough. Oh, absolutely. Oh, listen, I, as well. yeah, I saw, I saw a few, when it, on the time I spent on those ships filming all that stuff, I would, I would always go and watch the comedians, see whoever was on, you know. Oh. And uh, they were yeah. delighted to see your face in the audience. <laughs> That's well, all you need. Dying on your ass. Is that Rob Brydon? Ah, no. oh, what? Yeah, but 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 on that point though. But don't you think though? Don't you think that all comedians have bad gigs? And and I'm not saying that the ones I saw necessarily had, had, had bad gigs. But but don't you think that at a certain point we all know that it's possible to have a bad gig? I, I'm not sure that you make any particular judgments you you just say yeah he had a he or she yeah that wasn't wasn't a good night i mean i still uh i'll still have not so much if it's my audience but but if it's uh if it's a corporate thing you know where yeah. you're just the entertainment you can easily go down badly oh, yeah. oh, it yeah. just it just <laughs> i've heard, i've heard two really funny stories of uh cruise gigs gigs yeah. for comedians on cruises the audience are a lot older like you say they're not there to see you suddenly yeah. it's there's comedy on they're eating they're like what? Yeah, yeah. If someone's doing stand-up, they're told to keep it cleanish, but still, it's not their thing. And then you've got not only do you have a bad gig, you've then got to see them all at breakfast. <laughs> and I've heard two stories of someone who was who was doing so badly, and he was so and he was quite unpleasant as well. And um, at one point, they docked, and he had to stay in his cabin, and then he had to be choppered off the boat or something. At some point, because they weren't going to be back docking for so long, they chopped him off. Wow! And then I heard wow. another one of someone who died on his ass at the gig, and there was hardly anyone there. So we thought, well, at least not everyone saw it. <laughs> then he woke up. He turned the telly on in his cabin, and they have in sort of in entertainment program. They were showing the repeat of his gig on all the screens in everyone's oh, cabins. Oh my god! So everyone. And it looked worse because on the screen yeah, you sure, can't yeah. hear any yeah. audience whatsoever. So oh, then, just to that... make sure everyone, it's a, he just he said I didn't eat for about a day and a half because I think I didn't want to leave my room. Oh, well, that's there. There we are. That's that's yeah, a real check the but... check the contract moment, isn't it? I mean, but... they, what you're filming it? Okay, what are you filming it for? Just for an arc? No, no, we <clears throat> we show it. We show it on the uh... Out of context. Yeah, we just show it, you know, so people, if they've missed oh, you show it and they see it in their cabins. Yeah, what's the sound mix like for the audience? We don't worry about that so much. You know? <laughs> no, we don't want but the, but the thing is, the, the, um, but you can also see fantastic entertainment. I remember seeing a comedian that I'd known years ago and, and he was working on, on the ship and I went to see him and, and uh, he was very good and we spoke afterwards and... Um, the stuff that had gone down the best that he was doing was the stuff all about the ship, right? All the observational yeah, stuff about yeah. the ship. But he was also then putting in other stuff, which didn't go as well. 
And afterwards we were talking and he was saying, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think he called it the ship shit. I think that's what they, maybe they refer to it as that. You know, they say, oh, well, the ship shit goes down well, you know, but uh, I'm trying to do more of this, trying to do more of that. And, and I must admit my inner response was, why? You know, that's that. this audience love that stuff. I mean, they loved yeah. it and, and it and it was good. You know, I, I was laughing. Um, yeah. But he kind of felt it was, oh yeah, but that's just, you know, I wanted, what I want to do is this. And it's very noble in, I suppose, yeah. in, in one way. But, but, um, but anyway, watching, watching that um, Madeline Bell and, and seeing those people. So, so what I did was I, uh, I, I actually auditioned um, six different musical directors because I wanted to do it properly and slowly. And I, I found what, they were all amazing, but but then it becomes a question of personality and who would you get on with? So uh, I went with a wonderful chap called Paul Herbert. And he and I then spent weeks, maybe once a week, meeting up in Chiswick. He would bring some songs, I would bring some songs. Thinking, well, what's it going to oh. be? You know, what, what are we going to do? And he also began to work on my voice because I'd always had an okay voice. But, but the things that he's done with the exercises he's done have been amazing, you know. Amazing in making it, increasing the range and making it stronger, more durable. And so, and I would have happily just carried on meeting him once a week. You know that thing of just I'll do that. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll record an album, but I don't want yeah. to release one because I was just enjoying that. And then the producer was saying, "Look, we you got to do something here." So, so we booked a week, which is I think two Christmases ago, at a lovely little venue called Crazy Cox on Piccadilly. Do you know that? No. It's where the it's it's um Brasserie Zadell is a huge brasserie <laughs> called, called Zadell. And um, this is a little performance room next to it. it. Only seats about 90 people, but it's awfully um, it's awfully grown up and, and, and lovely. And anyway, I went in there, just he and I, and we did a week trying out the basic structure of what the show would be to see how it worked. And I learned a lot, you know, doing that. And then I had a few musicians I'd worked with that I wanted and we managed to get them and he suggested them. And, off, and then we put together this show then with the band and we did 12 before the lockdown happened. Uh. So now I'm just, but to go back to what, what you were saying, it's like a whole show of the last half an hour of the that's, show that you worked on. That's what I sort of thought it would be and thought, oh, that's perfect. Because there was bits where you were telling stories and I could imagine then going into the music and you bless you just sat there on that big stage on a stool i could imagine a whole band <laughs> around you and it's going to be that kind of thing that is there yeah. points where you're playing with all those um like they like you know you as you said you play the guitar and oh, you you yeah, yeah, yeah. you sing yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you must have had moments where they start playing and you were like whoa whoa what what the whoa what oh, yeah well i'll tell you the interesting thing so, so on um when I was doing my solo show and I sit there with my guitar, so I would play Islands in the Stream from Gavin and Stacey, which, which the way I do it is just C, F, there's a C7 in there and there's a D minor. And I think that's about it. And I can manage that. And, and also you pl you're playing the same thing every night. Pretty soon it becomes muscle memory. I did a nice bit that I used to do where I, where I would get someone out of the audience and do Close to You by the Carpenters. Do you remember that bit? Oh, I, I, I going to ask you if you That was one of my favorite. Well, band. I haven't, I, oh, that would be fun. I, I don't know. It, I, well, I, I could only do it in towns that I hadn't visited on the last tour because I'd done it before, you know, I've seen I've, it before. I, I think people would like to see that with a full band, even if they've seen it, because the impact of a full band stopping and then someone... Oh, yeah. So if that's you'd like, 
That's interesting, like, actually. Yeah, maybe I yeah, will. The, if for those who didn't, well, we, we should we say what it was? Because well, really I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But well, you'd get um, someone on stage to join in. We'll say we'll say that. Yeah. And in an affectionate way, you would let them be the star of the song. We'll say it like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, it was a that that was a that was a one of my favorite bits of material, and it oh, really it grew. And you know, you'd find new little bits. I remember one night. I don't want to give away too much about it, but I remember one night doing a little thing that then became a, a regular. And as I did it, I, went, I was thinking, oh, my God. And it was like I just discovered relativity or something. I thought, oh, gee, <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that, this takes it to another level. And, yeah. and, and, and it became about seven minutes of, of yeah. stuff. Um, although, I, well, what it, I'll tell people, it, it, was, it, was, um, it was getting somebody out of the audience and they would basically play the xylophone is that what a glockenspiel play the glockenspiel right yeah. for me and you learn as you're doing it that it doesn't work if they can do it so you don't want to have somebody with musical ability no because and there were one or two nights where i made the mistake of bringing someone up who who um could play keen. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Number yeah. Well, you always don't want somebody who's keen, no matter what it is. If you're ever getting anyone on the stage, you do not want someone who wants to be there. Um, <laughs> and uh, but nor do you want someone who might have a stroke in the middle of it. I've had a couple of those where I've got someone out, and I've been looking at them, thinking, "Oh God, <laughs> I hope this is not gonna." Seeing them get get up the steps to the stage yeah. was perilous enough, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So you want you've got to try and somehow find just the right person, and what that person is is somebody who is polite, courteous, but with a quite low embarrassment threshold. Yeah. Uh, and for this gag, no musical ability. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it might it might work with. Um, I might try it with the band actually. Um, the only thing with when I was doing it on the guitar is that I'm in, I'm in control, and that's the thing with the band is everyone's got to be together. But but what you were saying about playing, so I would be able to play, I could play that on the guitar, and I could do a few silly things. Yeah. So I thought I thought well with the band let's do something where I play the guitar, just a simple thing with the band, and I'll tell you what though. It's a whole other thing if you're playing along with the band. And and I found it strangely difficult because I don't know if people realise, but if it's not what you do all the time, there's a difference between playing the guitar at home and playing it in front of an audience because other parts of your brain are being occupied just by being on yeah. stage and being aware of the audience. And sometimes even on a sit when it was with the band not so much on my own because i i sort of got that down okay but with a band um it, it could be hard because these they are they're fantastic musicians um so i i soon withdrew from that and and said no i'll, I'll leave all that to you <laughs> oh, right. yeah there was uh that story of Noel Gallagher the first time you had played an actual gig he had to buy a strap because he'd never played a guitar oh, stood up yeah because when you play at home you just sat in your bed aren't you so that's before... really interesting that's very interesting because yes well it's a similar thing to to trying to play I would be sitting down when I did this with the band and uh yes yeah, suddenly you've got it your your brain is 
it, it's too busy. It's just too busy. You don't know where your hands should be. There's all sorts that, of considerations. That's right. It's like doing stand-up for the first time. You've got a funny idea. Mm. Then when you're in front of an audience, you suddenly think, well, well, why am I doing that with my arm? Why is my hand there? You don't yeah. know what. Where, should, I, should I stand like this? That's all right. Things, yeah, that's a right. a whole band yeah. around you that are an amazing musicians. You, mm. But it take, there's no pressure on you to be an amazing musician. You can just... You know, no, and- but you but you've got to be, but you've got to be able to hold your own. Well, yeah. no, what I mean is you, you can't get in the way. You know, you you can't you can't impede <laughs> the song. <laughs> you you may not enhance it, but you don't <laughs> you don't want to be taking anything away from it. <laughs> yeah, but um, and then between the songs, would you were you were you sort of uh, just tell some. Some yeah, and- well, it, we 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 got a structure to it which, which developed, which was which was sort of autobiographical. So it starts with talking about being at school and being shy with girls, but being confident on the stage. And I talk about how I met Ruth Jones at Porthcawl Comprehensive School. You know, we would go on to do Gavin and Stacey that, together. Was that school, as in? Yeah, sort of school, 11 school. To 16. Oh, I yeah, thought yeah. It, it was like mm. drama college. No, no, so no. You were that really, was... really young then. Yeah, that was. I was oh, about wow. four, 14, I think, when I met wow. her, maybe 15. And we were in musicals together. So, Guys and Dolls, Carousel, Sweet Charity, West Side Story. Um, so, I've known her for forever. And um, so, I tell, I tell these stories and then illustrate the early ones with songs from those shows. And there, so, there's a, there's oh, a story nice. about. In, in Guys and Dolls, I played Sky Masterson, and he has to go on a date with this Salvation Army worker who was played by a girl at school, and I was just head over heels in love with her. And I'd never had a girlfriend, you know, I was, I was shy in that sense, but, you know, I, I certainly wasn't swaggering around the place. And, and, and in the rehearsals, of course, we'd have to sing to each other these love songs, you know, I've never been in love before. And my, my confused little teenage yeah. heart and mind. So I would, and so I tell that story and, and sing that song. And, the, and then it goes through, it goes through things I've done in my career. So, so there's stuff about, I've done a few shows with Tom Jones. So there are some stories. There's a particular story about a show I did with him and, and, and how intimidating it is to sing with him and be, we were sat on stools and, you know, you, that takes a bit of a bottle, you know, to, to oh, keep yeah. your nerve there. And then and then just the, the other stuff in there would be, I suppose, I improvise. Well, I think I always improvise in the shows that you did. I would make up a song about the people that were in the audience that night. Oh, yeah. yeah so I, I still that do bit. that. Well, we oh, do that now good. with a full band. Oh, um and there's stuff from I, I come out I do a little bit as Bryn at the end, so we have um, uh, Islands in the Stream, and there's a bit of Dylan Thomas in there. Then there are just songs that I like and, and that tell a story. I've got a lovely there's a lovely old Billy Joel song that reminds me of when my eldest child, who's now 26, was born, and I, I tell that. Um, well, why does it remind you of when he was born? Because it was it was it's a song called Lullaby, which was on his. River of Dreams album, and um, it's a beautiful song, and um, it, and and I sang it to her when she was born. She she was um, uh, she was born, and 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 uh, 
I was at one point. It was just me and her in the room because Mum was was you know wheeled away to be uh, to, to be checked out and everything, and uh, I was left holding her. And it was it was the middle of the night, and there was moonlight coming through the, this window in this room, and it was all quiet. And I just you know I'm not saying I sang the whole damn thing to her, but I <laughs> I didn't get up. I didn't yeah. put her in a corner, stand up, and go. <laughs> but I um, but I sang this song to her. So so it's so it's very it's very. Uh, dear, Would you figure this? Would you figure this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> prop, prop yourself up. Just lay there. I've, that's funny. I've got the same thing with my my son. I've got a song that always reminds me of him, and it was a song that I loved before. So it's not. So he's changed it. So now it's about him. Uh, Blackbird by the Beatles. Oh yes, yes. My yes. son's called Zach Bird, and I used to sing it. Change <laughs> the words that we're fun. Zach Bird singing in the dead of night. So yeah, oh. there's something about singing to a newborn baby though that that is ingrained in your brain. After yeah. that, that it means yeah. Well, well it's a, a huge, huge moment, you know, and especially when it's your first child, it's all yeah. it's all very new and uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's the show, and uh, the the we were meant to be out with it. Well, we we had, we stopped last year. We were hoping to get back out this spring. That's not happening. The next thing now is autumn, and I'm I'm hopeful for that. We we we've got yeah. dates out there now in September, October, November. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. So that's that sounds that. Yeah. When I heard you, I saw that tour. Firstly, I'll say. Firstly, I was angry and resentful because I saw it and thought, "Well, you're not doing just stand up. Well, that means I'm not supporting you." Then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's was, no su- there's no support on there. I'm no. Afraid. So I was I was bitter towards you for that. I once I got past that, then yeah. I thought, "Oh, that's a great yeah. idea for a show. That's perfect yeah. for you." So that bit, yeah. so that bit with a full, with a full band, that would be great. So yeah, because it's a f- funny thing though, you know, because I was quite uh, hesitant because it's it's uh, you know you're not sure how they're going to react, and and uh, you know indeed the audience are coming, and you know how much attention they've paid when they book, other than going, "Oh, we like Rob Brydon. Let, let's go and see him. He's coming to our town. We enjoyed it a lot." That's my Philosophy is always you want them to remember the last time and think, oh, I'll, I'll yeah. go again. We felt good when we went to see him. A band, oh, he's got a band, is he? And then I think also they don't expect the band to be of the quality that they are. I think they were, do you remember um, Frank Skinner used to have on his show, he'd have a, I mean, I'm sure they were wonderful musicians, but he would make a thing. Yeah, he'd make a thing out of them just being there. And I wonder if people are expecting just, you know, the bare minimum. Well, this is a nine piece band or, or as i like to call it an expensive band and nice. um good good early joke get that in early oh i do do i do actually yeah um and um so the the audience you know they're thinking oh this is a bit, what is this so you have to there has to be plenty of funny in there otherwise yeah, as i say i think they're going to come and go well it's not really what we want from you you know that's you know, I noticed that when I was supporting you on tour, it's your show is in a weird way. It's like you've got a cater for all your. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> you've got a cater for all of your different sections of fans. Would I like you, Gavin and yeah. Stacey? Music, yeah, and, um, and people they're gonna. Someone's gonna want some impersonations at yeah. some point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's all that going on. You covered it all. Well, I remember when we're pl- planning that the tour that you did with me. I remember. When I was planning it, thinking just that, okay, well, what am I going to do? Okay, because I'm not great at getting a new show together, you know. And uh, right, I gotta, gotta do. As Jason Manford suggested to me, well, just, just um, who was? I think Michael McIntyre said to me, don't, don't do your warm ups in clubs. 
just play to your audience. So, you know, you book a place, a small place for not much money, you know, for the tickets and just yeah. your your audience. And it was Jason who said, get them to ask you questions. And then you, you by doing that, you find out what it is they they want to hear you talking about. So I booked, there's a school near here with, a, with a, there's a hall that seats about 300, but it's quite a nice little theater space. So you do that for, I don't know, was it five quid a ticket, something like that, not very much anyway. So, so that if you weren't very good, you know, they can't really begrudge you because it really wasn't that much. Um, and I would do those, you know, and, and record it, of course, and I'd have a few ideas. But then you'd always come up with stuff on the stage and yeah. you come, oh, that's a nice bit, that's a nice bit, that's a nice bit. And, and in terms of the impressions, obviously, there's a thing I can do and, you know, people like it. So I think, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to put them in? I can't remember how I did them on the previous tour and then came up with this idea of um, them all being on, well, the joke was, People say to me, they come up to me every day and they say, why, why have you never been on I'm a Celebrity? Get me out of here. And, uh, oh, no, the joke was they come up to you and what? they say, Gino? No, no, they say Anton. Oh, that Anton. Was, that, yeah. that was, yeah, that's, that's, I would do that early. Yeah. I, I do that early on. Yeah. People come up to me every day and they say, Anton, yeah, that always gets a laugh. <laughs> and then, but with this one, they say, why haven't you been on I'm a Celebrity? Get me out of here. And I would say, because I have a career, right? Was, and that, that that would get a laugh. And then I then I'd say, but hey, you know, listen, I I love Anton Deck. Everybody does, which is true. And I'd say I say I'd go on it. I said if they had real celebrities, right? Which is just an excuse then to do, you know. So I do them saying, uh, we're going down to the camp now. And I used to do this thing about not being able to do a Geordie accent, which was you yeah. know again a few laughs and. So we're going to tell you now who's who's been nominated or nominated, and so then I do basically my handful of impressions. So sure enough, <laughs> Ronnie is in there, and uh, Sean yeah. Connery and Roger Moore and Al Pacino Al and all Pacino. these people. Yeah, yeah, I'm a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that is just a device, you know. It's just a device to, to, to do those voices, um, and then so you you design the show almost like a department store, you know, we need the sports department, we need this, we need the impressions department, we need the musical department, we need <laughs> the talking to the audience department, yeah, we, need yeah. this, we need the observational stuff. So for, on the last tour, it was all about getting old. But you know that thing of, I'm always amazed whenever I see a comedian having a beef on social media with another comedian and saying, so-and-so has stolen my joke. I don't think I know I don't think I've ever met any comedians who would who would knowingly go, so and so's doing that, I'm gonna do it. I mean, I don't think it works like that. I think we're all being inspired by the same world. And I yeah. just saw I just saw a clip of Dave Allen from probably the maybe the early eighties. And he's doing a routine that I did on the last tour. And he's doing it a lot more effectively. But he's doing that thing of, you know, when I was young, they would, we'd have all these aunties. The aunties would be in the house and they'd put a film on. They'd all sit there watching the film. And you're trying to watch the film. And they start out, don't they, with, oh, look at that. Who's that now? That's that actress that was, who was she married to? And he would just shut up. I'm watching the film. And then they're saying, now, what have we seen him in before? Was he, he was in that one with so-and-so. <laughs> and you think, why won't you just be quiet? Well, last night, or no, as I'm, and of course the joke is he's doing exactly the same thing because, I, I, well, I did exactly that. 
on on the last tour. Had I seen Dave Allen do it? No. no. But I've lived a life and I've observed the same thing. Um, I used to do a thing where I talked about how we say goodbye at the end of phone calls. Uh, and it's bye, bye, bye. And then I saw a trailer and I was doing it on my tour. And then I, online, I came across on Amazon, a trailer for one of Michael McIntyre's tours. He's doing exactly the same thing. I, and I'm not being self-effacing and saying that he was doing it better. He was getting, he's, he's, he's awfully good, you know. And he's good, isn't he? He's very good. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's, he's incredible. At, he's incredible at communicating an idea. He's, he's amazing at crystallizing things with incredible clarity and economy. And anyway, I heard him do that. And, and I must say, my stomach went, I thought, oh my God, uh, people are going to think. I just, but you don't, you don't do that because of that, that stomach sinking feeling. That's the last thing you'd want well, to happen. There's a, I remember very clearly um, <laughs> a gig, someone, uh, one of the acts had a bit about talking to somebody, somebody's on their uh, hands free. Mm. And they're talking on their phone, and you don't realise they're on their phone. Oh yeah, yeah, and you think they're talking to you. Yeah, and already at that point, that was quite a tired bit that people have all done a variation of. Again, because we've all noticed that, and it's funny. And there was an act on stage doing that bit, and the act who stood next to me who was on next. He didn't go, "Oh, he's doing a bit the same as me." Ah, oh, oh no, oh, I just won't do my bit. He was livid. He stole my bit. He stole my, that's my bet. I'm going, <laughs> Lord. I think there could be an idea, there could be the chance you've both had that idea. Yeah, because that, that's the thing and with did, McIntyre what did he well. What did he say to that? Did, did this guy accept that or was he still? No, he was just walking around fuming. Um, and then that's I an interesting character trait though, isn't it? That, that's very interesting psychologically that somebody, see if, if I heard somebody doing something that I've done, I don't think I would have the, whatever it is, to think, oh, they've taken it from me. No. I, it, that's just not how my mind works. I would think they've had the same idea, and that's annoying. Because I did, I did. Um, oh, I used to do a very nice joke on the last tour about having five kids, and I said they are, I said they are, and I go through there, they're 18, 17, 12, 4, and 1, or whatever. I said, with hindsight, we should have given them names. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've heard someone else do that. Yeah. But I couldn't give it up. I couldn't give it up because I, it felt, well, I thought I hadn't copied it. I, I, it had come to me, you know, and I just couldn't bear to, to give it up. Although I did with the Michael thing. I, I did because, well, because Michael's so prominent, you know, a hell of a lot of people are going to see that, you know, and, yeah. and they will just assume it, 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 the, that I took it from him. But, um, it's 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 interesting, and, and you know when people talk about um, oh the so and so comedian came out and he did this tired old he did stuff about yeah. airlines and the difference between the sexes that always irks me because it's not what you do it's how you do it and you you someone like Jerry Seinfeld is a great example of that you know I mean he's doing always doing aging the differences between the sexes observational yeah. things you know but he does it at a level and a standard that is just astonishingly good. So I've yeah, sometimes no... seen I've sometimes seen reviews of him, they go, oh, and he did that stuff about airlines. Well, yeah, but he does it pretty well, doesn't he? And he flies a lot, so he's going to notice these things. <laughs> <laughs> <There's> a... 
<laughs> that's, yeah. that's the difference in America. I noticed that for a while. If you noticed in America, a lot of materials about aeroplanes, and in that's England, right, yeah. a lot of stories are on trains. Oh, that's interesting. It's the difference between they fly everywhere. They have to. In England, we get trains to gigs. That's, that, the that's so funny. Well, when I did the the tour I did with you, I then took and did in Australia and New Zealand, and that was the first time that I'd um, flown between gigs. And as a, a huge Elvis fan, you know, I, I, um, I've seen a million documentaries about Elvis, and you see him getting on plane on his plane, you know, and it was that felt very rock and roll because in the UK you tend to drive or be driven or go by train. You yeah. may fly if you're going from London to Aberdeen Edinburgh. or whatever, Edinburgh. Yeah. but even then, I'd rather take the train. It's a far more pleasant experience. It's, yeah. a, it's quite a luxury, you know, to, to get on the train and spread the newspapers out and, you know, listen to music and stuff. Um, but in, in Australia and New Zealand, and you're playing different towns, that's the closest I've come to, um, you know, hey, rock and roll, here we oh, go. Yeah. What's the deal with the aeroplane food? Yeah, what's the deal? But, so you've, uh, I like that, uh, I like, see, that's, again, there's not, I watch music documentaries all the time. I, that's my, if we're going to watch something on telly, sit down, I'll flip through Netflix. If there's a new music documentary, I'm like, oh. and if it's someone I love as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, so you, you've watched loads of Elvis documentaries. Oh, everything, everything that's ever been made, yeah. You met, yeah, you've, made it very clear you make it clear you're a massive elvis fan can you remember how you got into elvis was there a lightning bolt moment or was it just gradual he's you know he's there in the i background. think it was he was there in the background I, I, he died when i was 12 so uh i my memory is that i was aware of some of the melodies that, that i that my memory is that a friend had the 40 greatest hits album and i can remember being taken by King Creole, because at the beginning it goes do 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 and he goes King Creole, and and that that bass at the beginning do do, I have a memory of finding that oh that's interesting what what is that, so and then I would hear the odd bit then he died. But I was aware that Way Down, remember that was the last single, Way On Down, that came out and was on the radio. Then he died, and then he's in the press a lot. And you're all right. And then that Christmas, the BBC showed loads of his films. Now, of course, it's well documented. They were not his creative peak, but they have an appeal. And, and, and so I got into that and then started to buy things and and it continues to this day you know um hard yeah. to explain really how you can listen to one artist uh so much but it just struck a chord to me yeah yeah I, uh it is a weird thing where you um get obsessed with just what and you listen to you go through phases of listening to nothing else you like you hear other other stuff and go yeah but you just yeah I can imagine that with a, um, with someone's love of Elvis, they have the same thing of uh, like that's why you recognise when I said how much I love Oasis. You, yeah, you, yeah. you imposed your love of Elvis. Imagine <laughs> if that was an Elvis set list, I would want that. That's what you do. When people say to me they love Star Trek, I have yeah. no interest in Star Trek. Never seen it. Couldn't care less. 
<laughs> but if they love that in the way I love Oasis, then yeah. good on you. You enjoy it. Yeah. But um, uh, and with Elvis, there's there's so much stuff as well. There's so many great documentaries. But um, and uh, I tell you about. Hey, I'll tell you about about liking. Um, should I tell this story? I need you to think about this for a minute. Is there anything in this story that, I, that would not be good to share? Uh, no, this is fine. So went to see. Um, <laughs> went to see Paul Simon at uh, Hyde Park a few years ago. And, um, you know, we were nice seats in this nice part, right? And we went with a group of friends. So there's about four couples. We're all very friendly. And one of the couples, they're all a bit, I'm, I'm the oldest person <laughs> in, in, that, in that friendship group. Is that an American? Isn't that a friendship group? Yeah, and uh, so some of their music things. See, Oasis came, I'd already made my allegiance. I mean, I like I like them and, you know, I like a lot of their songs, of course. And I know what you mean. You've got your taste, you're set. But, but yeah, but, 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 but they were, I'd kind of, I was happy with Bruce, you know, so I, I didn't need anybody else. <laughs> a, 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 anyway, anyway, we, we get there and we're in this nice sort of hospitality area and we're all we're having a nice drink and james taylor was on first wow i think bonnie Raitt was playing as well i love james taylor that's him yeah. now saying are you mentioning me is there that's my i've put it on airplane but that's the wee alarm i told you about 12 o'clock on the dot <laughs> two podcasts now the wee alarms come on i have to just turn my phone off can i shall i just go and have a quick tinkle then and um no it's not no. for you Oh, okay. For okay. My children. Oh, okay. I thought that was very kind of you. Anyway, so so, so with, within this within this group of yeah. friends, there's one couple who are huge Oasis fans because they're young enough that that when Oasis broke, they were still at a formative age, like maybe like, like you, right? Like yeah, me, exactly. Yeah. So, how how old are you? I'm forty. So when all oh, right, yeah. When yeah, what's yeah. the story came out, I was fifteen. So perfect. Okay, perfect. The sweet spot. Yeah. Well, anyway, we 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 stood there. And we look across a, a few, a few hospitality areas. Isn't it funny how uh, you, you know one one is wary of saying that you're in a hospitality area and not just sweating it out with everybody? And for that, I turn again to to Jerry Seinfeld, who seems to have a lot of things figured. And he said, there's a great interview he did recently. Oh, oh, I forget what it was for. And the interviewer, and it's on Zoom, of course. And the interviewer says to him, you're in a different place here, Jerry. I noticed you do a few interviews, but you're somewhere else. And he goes, and I think he says something like, yeah, this is, that's, uh, that's, our, that's our beach house. And this is our townhouse. And the interviewer kind of goes, oh, as if to say, you want to share that? And Seinfeld goes, oh, I'm sorry. I was told we had to try to do well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that's that the thing with Seinfeld. He's got, yeah, people think that he's like softy, softy sort of observational comedy. Oh, Bill no. Burr, Bill no, Burr no. put it, his, uh, his stand-up's about nothing. You're missing the point. It's about yeah. his... Yeah. his um, 
uh, he, he's angry about 99% of things in the world. Well, what I love about him is his, there's, is his clarity. I really love that. There's another bit that ties in with that line of saying, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I was told we were meant to try to do well, right? Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, why not? Uh, there's a, another bit where he, uh, on one of the comedians in Cars, he's interviewing, I think it's Ali Wentworth. And she, I think they've got kids at the same school, I maybe, and they're talking about parent-teacher evenings. And he talks about, basically he talks about how kids, in his view, have, a, have an easy ride these days. We mollycoddle them. And he said he was at a parent-teacher evening and he said that one of the teachers said to him, you know, that going from, I don't know, grade four to grade five, let's say, it can be quite an adjustment for the child. And he said, really? Well, how about this? Adjust. <laughs> <laughs> There's this brilliant interview of him doing. Uh, oh, you know, have you seen the uh, documentary Comedian? Well, what do you think? Of course you have. Why did I ask you that? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Edit that bit. Um, yeah, I love that bit. He tell. I just told this just the other day. The bit where he's talking to Orny Adams, and he said, "Oh I should, yeah, I should be higher up. I should be doing better." <laughs> People my age, they're they're getting on in life, and he's like, "Was well, there something else you'd rather do? Somewhere else you'd rather be?" Yeah. He goes, and then he tells that story of the orchestra. You, you'll know the story. There's probably variations of it. The orchestra, that their bus has broken down and they're trudging through the snow. They're carrying their instruments and they see this little house in the background and they think, well, we'll walk there and see if we can borrow their phone. And they're all wet, they're damp, <laughs> tired. The bus is broken down, carry their instruments. They get to the house, they look through the window and there's this, this picture book family scene. They're all sat around the dinner table, kids and eating the food fires roaring there's a dog and they look through the window and go how could people live like that <laughs> yeah the Seinfeld yeah. goes that that sums it up yeah you could see that comedian he was talking to just didn't get it and I from know. that mm. I didn't know much about Seinfeld at that point and from that yeah. that documentary from that point I thought oh, I love him I love him oh but yeah you were talking about being in the VIP oh yeah yeah so, so, so but that, yeah <laughs> right so we'll and it's yeah. divided into different things sponsored by different you know dreadful companies yeah. and um, and as I look about about three or four away there's Noel Gallagher who who I've met at various things over the years and we've chatted and that's all fine and dandy so we we make eye contact and we hey we smile and daddy d and uh, you know we you do some silly sort of mime as if to say are you having a drink are you eating oh yeah we're gonna see Paul Simon isn't this exciting wasn't James Taylor good and, and all that stuff and then we go back to just chatting with our friends. And then, lo and behold, Noel has come round to our bit, he and Sarah, his, his wife. And in they come. And, and I'm very pleased to see him because he's a, he's a funny guy. You know, he's a witty, dry, he's, an, he's very good company. You know, he's, uh, he's, um, he's got a lot to say. And we're stood there. But, of course, I realise as we're talking, and I'm introducing him to my friends, that for two of them... This is like meeting Elvis, you know, yeah. this is, this is wow. And then, so we chatted and they stayed for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, you know, all very nice. And then they went back to their bit. And these, these two in particular, the, 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 the wife of, of, in this one club was almost speechless, you know, uh, it was, uh, I would it was a huge thing. I would have to go home at that point. You wouldn't ask Paul Simon. No, I'd have had to go home. I'd have to go and have a bit of a lie down after that. But, but yeah. it was... Um, it was great. Well, now he's a he's a he's a big Seinfeld fan, 
I think that I think he's told the story publicly. How? Oh, maybe he hasn't, so I won't share that one. I but think he. I think he has about Seinfeld. He's told that that his that his wife surprised him with a yes. visit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. He so he loves. He loves that. And there was one other thing he told me. Um, oh, I can't remember now. But um, but yeah, so I don't know. Why, why do we get Why do we say that? Was that just because you were talking about how much you love Oasis? I think so. And I, I was, um, yeah. was going to say, I think you like that as well, that musicians, mm. that being great at music, love mm. that. And when they're funny as well and can talk between songs. Mm, mm, mm. And you recently interviewed someone. And I watched the interview, and it made me watch the documentary because I knew it was coming up. And oh, you Kelly! Me, Kelly Jones. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. reminds me of um, when I was supporting you on tour. Do you remember yeah. I I did a warm up for a TV show, and the Stereophonics were on. Yeah. And yeah. Kelly Jones walked direct. Now I've seen Stereophonics probably more than ten times at least. Yeah. I I went through a phase of listening to nothing else but performance and cocktails for probably a good eight months. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. That was on at house parties. People sang along to it. Kelly yeah. Jones walked yards from me. I could have easily have just gone, all right, Kelly, big fan <laughs> of music. Easy as that. And I went, ah. And he walked past. <laughs> and I told you this as a story of what an idiot I am. And I said to you, I said, I think I said, I don't want to racially stereotype you as a Welsh person, <laughs> but do you like the stereophonics? And your, <laughs> and your answer was, yeah, Kelly Jones played at my 50th with Paul Weller. No, that's not, hang on, no, that's that's not strictly true. That, we have to be precise here. No, no, no. Weller wasn't there. But no, Kelly. Yes, Kelly came. Oh, to Oh, Kelly's my wedding. Party. Weller was there, but your. That's birthday. right. Yes, yes. I. I um... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm mixing up the uh, dream yeah. scenarios you've been in. No, I mean, listen. It's it's very appealing to think that the changing man would. Um, would would go underground and um, <laughs> and uh, and he would start to um, <laughs> sing something at my wedding and people would say that's entertainment and wow um, these are just I feel I should have one at least I've got nothing here <laughs> I'm trying quick. to think of what, one of the, one of the Style Council songs was it Long Hot Summer was, oh, did that they would do be that impressive if you got a Style Council one in uh, do 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 he's a he was a, he's an intense guy isn't he Paul Weller I mean oh, yeah. in 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 a, in a lovely way but. Well, that's what you said about Kelly Jones. So he oh, played Kelly's intense, 50th. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but there was, there was how did did you invite him and ask him to play, or did no. your wife organise that? No, 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 no. I just I invited him and Jackie to come to the party because we had a big yeah. party, and there was a band at the party. Convenient. And uh, yeah, this could work out. And I think <laughs> well because at his wedding I'd got up and deputised for an absent Tom Jones, and they yeah. sang uh, Mama Told Me Not To Come. Easy job. <laughs> and Paul, Paul Weller had to, had to leave the stage to make room, and Ronnie Wood was the, the stereophonics, and then Ronnie Wood was playing guitar as well. My good Lord. And Paul Weller had to, it was a tiny stage, go off for me to come up. And then as I left the stage and Paul Weller was coming back on, he said to me, I can't, it was either, it was either you've still got it, Rob, or you haven't <laughs> lost it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So Weller's funny as well. Oh, he was great. Yeah, no, he's I've very nice. He's funny. Oh, yeah. Well, look, these are, these are, these are incredibly creative people. And, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're so, talking about gifted people, you know. Can you remember at your birthday uh, anything? Can you remember what you sang with Kelly? Yes, Jones? I can remember. We, um, 
Oh, well, we did that again. We did that. Mama told me not to come. But, but then he, but then he, without warning, because he, he took a guitar from one of the band and he started doing Dakota. And oh, uh, it was amazing. Track imagine that, that you know, imagine somebody comes along and, okay, we're going to sing whatever. And he, he does his, his huge... Signature closing oh. an arena song. And people, you know, you could see people's faces were like, wow. So that was great. And he's, um, yeah, that documentary he did, Don't Let the Devil Take Another Day. Yeah. I, think. I knew uh, it was coming up. And then I yeah. saw your interview alerted to me to the mm. um, release date. And I, I love that bit that you spoke to him about because he, it, that crossover of stand up and music where he, I've never thought of that. What you said to, um, you said to him about, he said, when you record a song, sometimes oh, yeah, that's only yeah. the second time you've actually played it. Yes. I've never thought of that. So then, yeah. you know, that could be in your set for the next 20 years. That was remarkable. That hadn't occurred to me that, so that let's say that when they did Dakota as an example, when they record it, yeah, they've not really done it that, that much. They've, they've got it to a point where they think, yeah, this is good. And then, <laughs> and then they, they live with it. But the, the main thing in that documentary I thought was fascinating and why people should go and watch it is that he has this throat problem and he has throat surgery yeah. and he has to relearn singing. And, and you see him, he just films himself on his phone trying to sing songs that he's always sung, so the stereophonic songs, and he literally cannot reach the notes. And we sat there watching it, and it's, did you find it find it very tense? I find it uncomfortable. Ooh, because Lord. you know the songs, and you, you're yeah. sat on the sofa thinking, "Well, I could sing that now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and know, he's, and I he's, could sing that yeah. better than him now. That's weird. and uh, I don't doubt it for a moment. I thank um, you, but yeah, I love. I did the frustration of him just going "fuck off" like that. He couldn't. Yeah, just, a simple note that would have been he'd have done without thinking. Well, because um, for someone like him, I mean, that's his superpower, isn't it? You know, that, that that's, that's the thing that's the voice. Built, that's what's built his life. That's yeah. how every the way he lives, what he does, it all comes from that. So uh, it's mean, like with me, if I were unable to do the cage fighting, you know, I'd feel... Yeah, you wouldn't really be Rob Brydon anymore. I'd feel I had nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, lost who you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good job you can still grapple. I don't do it as much as I did, but I, I certainly, I like a couple of times a month, I want to I want to get back in there just to show yeah. that I can, you know, as much as anything yeah. else. And there's so many young guys coming up now, and I always say to them, don't go easy on me. Just, just you know, do do what you would do with one of the others. And, and again, that can be a mistake because I've had absolute, you know, seven bells kicked out of me. But sometimes I, I'll, I'll come out on top. I just, yeah. I like this. I like the smell. I think that's. <laughs> I I thought about it. You know what is it about it? And I do. Yeah. I think well, it's, it's just the smell. So my wife has said, "Well, what if we just try to get the smell?" So we're Vaseline, trying now to to get yeah. We're trying to get some of the other guys' costumes and sort of ring, ring them into into a bottle. And we're seeing if yeah. I can sort of be weaned off it by just by having the smell. Using that, using their juice as essential oil, in a yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, you've got to give it up at some point, Rob. You can't keep this going because you. Well, they say it's a worry damage. for the it's a worry for the family that it's it's them more than me because every time I go to do it, they the kids think, oh, is are we going to see daddy again? Back. Is he coming back? Yeah, yeah, and they must be. I, I imagine your wife stopped watching a long time ago. She can't watch. She can't. You, bear, she can't bear to be there. She, she can't the bear to call. be there. Yeah, yeah. She, say, when I go, she'll have a friend come round to the house and sit with her. 
and yeah, that friend will on the wireless, stay. maybe. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's a bit like in that film, uh, Ford Cinderella. Ferrari, you know, and oh. where where she's listening to Christian yeah. Bale in in Le Mans or somewhere. It's very similar in, yeah. in, in our house. <laughs> <laughs> But you will have to give up at some point. And then, then you can go back on tour. That's mm. really what you need to be doing. Mm. Well, the, the thing I've been thinking of is, can I blend the two? Because my trumpet player is quite handy. So we're looking now into the viability of getting a smaller cage on the stage during these shows. And we just beat the hell out of each other. Um, and we might even just do it during the interval so that it's because it's not for everyone and it would just be those audience members that, that want that. But like, if you don't want that, yeah. you can just go to the bar. Like sometimes you're in the, in the middle of a big orchestra, you'll have just bring it down, have an acoustic moment or something. Instead, mm. you're going to bring on a small scale down octagon mm. and mm. then just mm. three, three rounds, you think? No, no, I wouldn't do that much. I, I do a sort of exhibition round to start and yeah. then just one, just a slam then. Just finish on a slam. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. I mean, I've not mentioned it to the trumpet player, um, so <laughs> let's let's see how he feels about that. Thank you very much, Rob. It has been an um, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Listen, I've really enjoyed it, Andrew, and, and thank you for your companionship and support on the tour because you were. Uh, it was great. I loved having you around and watching text, your act. And, I text you know. Jen, your ah. wonderful tour manager, to yes. say I was speaking to you today. She's going to listen to the podcast. Ah. And she says she misses our little trio and hopefully we'll all get together at some point. I I think you need to develop that character that you were working on during the tour. Just, just you were just uh, developing it as we were going on in the in the uh, in your dressing room. Was that the, what was uh, that? Lovey actor from the nineteen twenties. Really? Where I'd knock on the door and you go, Andrew, is that oh, you? Really? <laughs> come, come closer, come closer. Oh yes, uh, I've always, I've always liked if I'm if I'm ever filming something, uh, you know, a drama or a comedy or something. I love the idea of the very old actor yeah. who walks incredibly slowly. So I remember I would do that backstage. I'd walk very slowly, Get painfully to, slowly. Hold your arm. Yes, and yeah. re reaching out and touching the wall occasionally <laughs> and bits of furniture. And then when, when the director would say, okay, so what we're gonna do here is you do this, you do that, you do this. And you go, right, so, so I pick up the book, I look at the book, put the book down and I turn. Look at the table. Walk, walk, walk. Right, right. And I, I mean, I find that it's a limited audience, of course, but I find that very funny. I find it very funny when you shout at Jen like she wasn't, she wasn't paying you enough attention as an elderly, <laughs> decrepit man. There was a part, a bit where there was a slight, small step, and you oh, said, yes. "Jen, come yeah. back here. Don't just walk away." Come and yes. hold me as you made her hold your arm as you walked down it. Well, when we did when we did the trip, Steve and I would do a thing where we would be two of these kind of people, and and the uh, the first assistant director on that is called Zoe, and we would refer to her as the girl because that's something that, that <laughs> actors might yeah. do. Yeah, well, in the where, old days. We, we, yeah, we get things. Well, where's the girl? Like, <laughs> the girl is meant to be bringing me a coffee. Does anybody know where she is? <laughs> And or you know Michael Winterbottom directs it, so, so you'd go, Michael, where's the girl? I mean, 
or you get to the end of a scene, maybe this where you're, hold, you're holding something, and you'd go, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Where's the girl? <laughs> that, that, that's one way of doing it. But the other way of doing it is, is that you're very vulnerable. So, so that yeah. you go, oh, well, I, I, I thought I'd give it to the girl, but where, <laughs> where is she? And then when they do take it, oh, you are very sweet. Oh, thank you, my darling. You are awfully, isn't she good? I was just saying, isn't the girl helpful? And that, <laughs> that, that, that whole other era, I, um, that I, was I it. find fascinating. I very much enjoyed that. That needs to be developed more. Just start walking, you go, come, come closer. I can't see you over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, lovely to talk to you. And um, I, I, I hope to see you in, in person uh, yes. uh, uh, soon when we can all see each other. Oh, I'll be bothering someone. I mean, you said at the end of the tour, you very politely and nicely and graciously said, if you ever need any help just let me know and i've already i've already exploited that having you here today and i'll i will do that further it's the very yeah. least i could do which is what i always try to do thank you rob thanks very much a podcast from producer paul uk acast powers the world's best podcasts Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com